No Spend Challenges. Today's guest shares all about her No Spend Challenges and what it has done for her. That is coming up in episode 121. Are you tired of the traditional money advice? Me too. Bienvenida. Welcome to the Her Money Matters podcast. Join me each week for down-to-earth money conversations that will leave you with more confidence and inspiration to help you take control of your money. And you will probably learn some Spanish along the way too. Lista? You ready? Empecemos with. Let's get started. ¿Cómo estás? How are you doing? This is your host, Jen Hempel, and I want to thank you for joining me. If this is your first time listening, well, hello and bienvenida. And if you haven't been able to get enough of this podcast, which I hope you haven't, and are back for yet another episode, welcome and thank you for your continued support. Today, I have a fabulous guest to introduce you to, and I had the opportunity to meet her in person recently in Dallas for one of my favorite conferences that if you have been listening for a while, you have heard me mention, and this conference is FinCon. In today's episode, you're going to learn the exact steps she took to pay off $9,000 in debt in six years. You're going to learn why she has an I Deserve It fund and how that has helped her and what kind of no spend challenges she has done, which is so fabulous to hear about and what has resulted from it and why being hypervigilant with her budget has posed a challenge for her. Now, let me share with you a little bit about Nicole Hatcher. Nicole is a wife, mother of three, a makeup lover, and a lover of all things personal finance. She is frugal by nature and started frugalchicklife.com to document her journey towards financial freedom and ideally financial independence, but she's still figuring that part out. She began her YouTube channel, Frugal Chick Life, in 2015 to document her journey towards financial freedom. And the highlight of her journey so far has been paying off almost $100,000 of student loans in under six years. Vamos a conocer Nicole. Let's go meet Nicole. Welcome, Nicole Hatcher, to the Her Money Matters podcast. I am so excited and thrilled to have you here. Thanks so much, Jen. It is an honor and a pleasure to be here with you today. Well, I have to share with those of you listening how we got connected because I am still laughing. So recently, (laughs) (laughs) there was a person joining our Facebook group, our community, and I usually tend to ask, how did you hear about the podcast or how did you make it here, right? And she answered that it was Nicole Hatcher, her favorite YouTuber. So naturally, I check out Nicole on YouTube, fell in love with the video reach out to her. And then I realized, well, there is this other podcast that's called Her Money and mine is Her Money Matters. So I let her know I'd love to have her on the podcast. And yeah, it was another podcast. It wasn't mine, (laughs) but we got connected, which is great. So I'm so excited to get to know you. So are you ready to dive in? Absolutely. Let's start with your money story. How did you grow up around money? 
Hmm. So that's an interesting question. So for me, I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, Baltimore City, and my parents were actually teenage parents. So they had me at a fairly young age. So, you know, there were some challenges around money starting out the gate because my parents were, you know, essentially still kids themselves when they had me. So my parents, neither one of them finished college. They kind of worked sort of blue collar jobs as I was growing up. And so there were typically some challenges there. But one thing that I will say, even though they never actually sat me down and said, here's how you do a budget. Here's how you manage money. I learned several valuable lessons from them. So one of them being the value of hard work. You know, my parents were exceptionally hard workers and they took a certain amount of pride in making sure that they took care of us, that we didn't always have everything that we absolutely wanted, but we always had the things that we needed. So early on, I learned the difference between a need and a want. So that was a valuable lesson that I learned early on from my parents. So I'm grateful for that. Secondly, I would say my parents were never individuals that were big into credit. I can say that growing up, I never saw my parents use credit cards ever. So it was always like, well, if we don't have the money for it, then we just, we can't, that means we can't afford it and we won't have it. So from early on, I learned the importance of being able to pay out of pocket for the things that you wanted and the things that you needed and never to really rely on credit as a way to live the type of life that you wanted to live. Awesome. So definitely a great upbringing. Now let's fast forward in time. And because you paid off about $100,000 in six years. So tell us a little bit about how you got to that place of debt and how take us through the process of how you paid it off. Absolutely. So for me, my debt consisted nearly 100% of student loan debt. So I made some of the typical mistakes that I think average everyday Americans make in terms of like financing a car. So I did that, you know, later on, once I got my first quote unquote, you know, big girl job or real job, you know, I made the mistake of, you know, financing a car and things like that. But overwhelmingly, the vast majority of the debt that I incurred was student loan debt. So for me, growing up in the inner city, I looked at, you know, I always valued education and I did very well in school for the most part. And I looked at education really as a way to change my circumstances, to, you know, get out of the city, to do something different, to kind of venture out and, you know, do my own thing. So I said, okay, college is the thing for me, but I was not able to obtain a ton of scholarships. I kind of changed career paths or I guess educational paths halfway through, changed my major, transferred schools. So along the way, I incurred probably about $30,000 worth of debt from undergrad, but I couldn't stop there. In my mind, I'm one of those people who has a plan for everything. So I said, I can't stop with an undergraduate degree. I need to get a master's degree and I want to get a doctorate by the time I'm 30 years old. So this is my, (laughs) so this is a, this is a big plan that I had and I had no idea if I was going to pay for it. So (laughs) (laughs) That's sort of how the debt came about. So, you know, I checked all those boxes. I checked the undergraduate degree. I got married. I got the master's degree. And then I said, I'm on to this doctorate. And I was so focused. I had like tunnel vision as it related to my education that I honestly did not really count the cost of what I was doing, how much student loan debt I was taking out. And before I knew it, you know, I honestly can say to myself, like, I didn't really want to know. I was just so focused on accomplishing these goals that I was actually scared to tally up the final numbers. And just before I finished that last degree, I said, I got to do it. I got to see what this number is. And my husband had about 10,000 from undergrad that he had. And when I tallied it up, I had 
almost 90K. So combined, just under $100,000 in student loan debt because of my education. So that's that's it. <laughs> and something that you brought up is interesting as I reflect to me growing up, um, my generation, and I don't know if we're in the, the same generation, but with me and my family, my surroundings, education was like very important. It was something you needed to do. And I'm wondering that if that has something to do with where it's like so important that it has something that you need to do that we don't think about the cost piece, right? Because we come from like, I came from where my parents were the first generation going to college. So the instillment of you need to go to college, it's the thing that you have to do it was just a, a given, right? So of course, with for me personally, I didn't have to deal with the student loans. But around me, the importance of my friends, because they were first generation, some of them of going to college, college, that was their focus, the education, not necessarily how much it was going to cost. So it's interesting that you brought up because you're not the only one. I've seen it <laughs> a lot. Absolutely. So thanks for sharing. Oh, and as far as paying the debt off, so mm-hmm. how exactly take us through the process of what you did? Sure. So it was kind of a, you know, I had several different strategies, but I kind of went into panic mode when I saw that number. I knew the amount was high because obviously I had been taking out student loans like over a period of what, seven, eight, maybe eight years or so. So I knew that it was there and it had primarily been in deferment all that time because I pretty much went straight from undergrad to working on my master's and then, you know, a little bit of a break and then on to a doctorate. So I knew that it was there. I knew I had made very little dent in it because it had, you know, been in deferment for so long. But, you know, I never knew that the number was going to be that large. So I panicked once I tallied it all up. So the very first thing that I did was start to budget consistently. So I cannot um, overemphasize the importance of being on a budget and being consistent. So I had dabbled with budgeting on and off over the years and decided to, you know, dust it off again and really get serious about budgeting. So that was really the very first critical thing that I did was get on a budget and stick to it. Then after that, I focused on increasing my income. So thankfully, one of the things that was truly a blessing after finishing my education was that I was able to double my income. So it was a pretty good return on my investment. And a part of it was timing. It was right. um, I finished my last degree in 2010. So it was just after the, you know, the economic downturn. People were going back to school and I was able to use my doctorate to get adjunct faculty jobs and I generated a lot of additional money. So at the same time, I was increasing my income, working on my budget, trying to live within my means, and I made sure that I did not elevate my lifestyle. So although I doubled my income, it was tempting to go out and get a new house and get a new car and do these other things. I said, no, I need to take every single dollar that I get, every extra piece of money that comes in and throw it at this debt. And so that was Um, another thing that really made a big difference in terms of getting that debt paid off quickly. And then I challenged myself to do other things. I did no spin challenges. I went, you know, two years without buying new shoes. And that's a big thing for me. Anybody that knows me personally knows that I love shoes. So I stopped buying shoes for two years, went cold turkey, stopped shopping, shopped my closet, did no spend challenges and threw every extra penny that I had towards debt. 
And that's how I was able to accomplish that. That is good. And what other kind of no spend challenges? You mentioned shoes. What other no spend challenges did you do? So I've done all kinds of iterations of no spend challenges over the past few years. So one no spend challenge that I would do is just a month long no spend challenge where I wouldn't spend any money on anything discretionary. It would just be, you know, needs, uh, things that, you know, we needed around the house, groceries, gas for the car to get back and forth to work, but we wouldn't go out to eat. There would be no shopping for makeup or doing anything discretionary. And then we would take, um, you know, just an inventory at the end of the month and say, this is how much money we saved because we did not go out and eat. We did these extra things. So we really can go without these things if we need to. We need to sometimes make a sacrifice. And I think it sort of helped me to hit the reset button on some of my previous bad habits that I had. Uh, sometimes when I was stressed out or I was emotionally not in a good place, I'd go out and shop and buy stuff unnecessarily. So doing these no spin challenges really helped. I've gone on um, makeup no buy challenges. That's another thing that I really have spent a lot of money on over the years is makeup. I love makeup. So I've gone on uh, no makeup challenges where I didn't buy anything new. And I challenged myself to use up things that I had. And I also did a month long shop my closet challenge where I created new outfits out of the items of clothing that were already in existence in my closet and created new combinations to kind of revitalize you know, my wardrobe so I wasn't getting bored with what I had in the house. I love all that thinking. And one thing that struck me that you said that I really, really love. So you did these no spend challenges, all sorts of iterations. And one thing that you said that is so key and critical is that you did an inventory of what you saved, right? That's yeah. what I heard, which is so key because you can, you know, I have talked about couponing and I'm not a big couponer, but those who coupon and things of that sort where you save this money and which is great, but you have to know what you saved and what are you going to do with that money? Because it's like exactly. coming up with extra, you know, maybe a bonus check or some money in the mail, whatever the case may be, and you don't put a plan to it it just disappears, right? So you have to definitely, I love that you did an inventory of that money that you save because that is so huge. Because if not, you did all that work for nothing in a sense. That makes sense? I love exactly. that you did that. Awesome, exactly. awesome. So you mentioned a makeup lover. Even though I don't do a <laughs> lot of makeup, I know those of you listening may love makeup. So do you have any fun ways or anything that you have come across, favorite ways that you save on makeup or... Sure. So some things that I like to do, I like to be intentional about uh, telling people what types of gifts I want um, and not to be pushy. But if somebody says, OK, you know, your birthday is coming up and my birthday happens to be right around Christmas and, you know, Christmas is coming up. You know, what do you want? I'm, get me a Sephora gift card. I have no shame in saying before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal. I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you get me a Sephora gift card. And I, I don't rush right out to spend that money after I get the gift card. I let it sit for a while and I make a wish list and I say, okay, I saw this, you know, in a makeup tutorial on YouTube and I wanted to pick up this blush or this highlighter. And then I wait until I have my wish list and I go out and buy the things that I want and try to be very intentional about that instead of going out and spending it on a bunch of stuff that I really didn't need and don't, you know, doesn't really add any value. So, you know, I'm intentional about asking for gift cards from some of my favorite stores around my birthday and Christmas time from 
from, you know, family members and friends if they ask, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, Other things that I like to do is panning projects. So there's a whole pan that palette makeup panning community, you know, on Facebook and on YouTube where, you know, you pick a certain eyeshadow palette and you really focus on creating new look. You focus on using up that one item before you go out and buy new things. And I also like to uh, multi-purpose my products. So if I have a blush, you know, blush lasts forever. You know, I'll use it, you know, in my eyeshadow looks. I'll I'll use it in different parts of my makeup routine. And then I use up products faster. I'm really reaching for things and really getting use out of them instead of reaching for like two or three items all the time. Great tips. And that also makes me think of a recent video, at least at the time of this recording that you did that was about saving. It was a tag video and I'm not really familiar with YouTube land in terms of tag videos, but basically you shared some tips on uh, different tips on savings. And one thing that I really took out of was if you're an impulse spender, if you will, uh, you suggested that you create a I deserve it fund. So tell us a little bit about that, because I really love that concept. Okay, absolutely. So this is something that I started thinking about a little earlier this year. And I, you know, I got kind of reflective on my spending habits and, you know, my mindset around money. I do a lot of reading. I'm a super big reader of personal finance. And it's one thing to read it and have you know, paper knowledge, book knowledge of something. And then it's another thing to actually apply it to your life and really make a difference, you know, in your finances. And one of the things that I realized about myself is that I had a sense of entitlement. I work a lot of hours. Um, I have worked a lot more hours in the past. And a lot of times, you know, when you're working a 50 hour, 55 hour work week, you know, I feel like, okay, I deserve this new pair of shoes, even though I have 20 other pair in my closet that I don't reach for and I don't wear. So you can get a sense of entitlement because you work hard, because you make good money and it can cause you to focus on things that are not really important. You know, it can cause you to spend your money in areas that don't really align with your true goals. So I said, how about a I deserve it fund? So every time I'm out and I see a pair of shoes, whether or not I can afford the shoes or not, and I decide to, you know, hold off on purchasing that shoes and I walk away with that, you know, $75 still in my pocket, I'm going to take that money and put it into an I deserve it fund. I'm going to set that money aside, let it accumulate and really do something with it that's going to matter. Something that's really going to make a difference in my finances as opposed to spending it on something that doesn't add value, something that's going to depreciate or something that's just going to sit in my closet untouched for years to come. Love it. And I love that you share that in the video, which is why I wanted to bring it up. And it's a really it's things that we can do and be creative about in terms of what is important to us. And in the terms of the name of the accounts or the envelope that you're using, whatever it is, it's personal finance can be so unique. You are in charge and you do you in the sense of looking at your values, your priorities, all while balancing along with the the goals that you're trying to reach. So I love that you brought that up. Now let's talk challenges. What kind of challenges do you have around money? Hmm. Okay. So absolutely. I do still have uh, money challenges. Uh, One of the things that I think, and you know, we're not always able to see our own challenges. So my husband has so eloquently pointed out, he calls me a budget hawk. Um, He says that I can be a little hyper vigilant about the budget. So I can be kind of pushy. I can be kind of bossy when it comes to managing the money. If he's, if I feel like he's overspending in certain areas, I can be a a little bit hyper vigilant. And then another thing that I found is that I'm very future oriented. So everything is 
What am I going to be doing in 10 years? What's going to be going on in 15 years? I got a plan for retirement, plan for the kids. I mean, I have three, three small kids. I'm always looking towards the future and I often forget to enjoy the present. So that is something that mm. I struggle with. And that's something that I continue to work on is enjoying the, the present. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You know, at the same time, there is a balance to be able to save for tomorrow, but don't make yourself miserable today because tomorrow is not promised. Amen. Yes. Amen to that because <laughs> it's so, oh, absolutely. We have these goals we have to save for retirement. There's a vision of what we want our life to look like. But at, and at the same time, we can make all these sacrifices and, and I'm not about not making sacrifices. Sometimes that's what you have to do. But you also, like you said, there is a balance. You have to make it where you can live your life and enjoy it too. Because in the process, you want to be able to enjoy getting to that final destination, that goal that you're trying to reach versus being miserable in the process, right? Yes. <laughs> so yes. it's so, so important to really look at that and decide yourself, like, yes, make the sacrifice. Make Like, I love the different type of no spend challenges. Get creative. What would that look for you? Um, make it fun, but don't be miserable in the process. Absolutely. Love it. So tell us a little bit about how is it, if you could take us through like maybe a month uh, of how you manage your money, what kind of system do you use? Are you a spreadsheet type person? Are you more of paper and pencil? Do you sit down and do you have any rituals that you do? Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So one of the very first things that I did after I started budgeting regularly is switch to cash. You know, Dave Ramsey always says cash is king. So one of the first things that I did after creating that budget was to start pulling out cash to to use for my everyday household expenditures. So I found it to be, you know, more of a simplified process because I don't really have to track every single purchase as much. I pull out, you know, $500 for my groceries for the month and I keep it in an envelope and I know that's what I have to spend. And when the envelope starts getting low, you know, I know that I need to kind of watch. I need to, you know, prepare a little bit better as far as my meals and then, you know, kind of keep an eye on things there. But that is one transaction, $500 I've pulled out of the ATM and I can put that into my Excel spreadsheet. At heart, I'm really a pen and paper type of girl, but I started doing Excel spreadsheets for my budgets really to help those who watch my YouTube channel. And, you know, so that that's part of the reason why I made that transition from paper, pen and paper to an Excel spreadsheet. And it's really helpful. I keep it on my laptop and I'm able to just kind of take a glance at it here or there. I look at it at least once a week and um, that works wonders for me. So we do that. And in addition, my husband and I do a monthly budget meeting where we sit down together. From the beginning of our marriage, I've been the one that sort of managed all the money. But over time, you know, you get a little resentful after a while. Like, why am I the one always doing all the budgeting <laughs> and writing all the checks? You need to have some input here as well. And so over the years, he's gotten much better with you know, us looking at it as a team effort. So we sit down once a month as a couple and go over the budget and see where we did well, review our financial goals, you know, our long-term goals, our short-term goals, and make sure that the way that we are spending our money aligns with our goals and what we are trying to accomplish. Love it. Well, this has been absolutely fantastic. I have really enjoyed getting to know you and connecting with you and learning from you as well, because I definitely learned some things, some nuggets from you. So as you know, this podcast is about making money simple and taking control of it. So how would you finish this sentence? Her money matters because. Mm. 
Interesting. Um, So I would say her money matters because it's a tool to live the type of life that you want to live. So it's not all about the money. You know, money is important, but money is not the goal. The goal is to live the type of life that you want to live. And your money matters because it is the tool that is going to allow you to get there. Fantastic. Well, thanks for sharing that. And thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. What did you think? She's pretty fantastic, isn't she? I hope that you enjoyed listening to the interview as much as I enjoyed talking with her. I want to pose a challenge for you in a moment, but first, let's do La Mencion, or today's weekly shout out. And it goes to Yumi or Umi, and please, if I mispronounced your name, please let me know and forgive me at the same time. Now, Yumi accomplished a lot in October. She reduced her spending by 27% compared to September. And I love how specific she got with that. Now, you don't have to do that, but I just love that. And she did that by packing her lunch, cooking at home, eliminating those trips to the coffee shop. And she also started to build her emergency fund back up. So, Yumi... Here is my high five, a job well done, and thank you so much for sharing. Now, let's go back to today's talk, and I want to pose a challenge to you. If you recall, Nicole talked about her no-spend challenges, which I found fascinating because I've heard of them, but I never even considered doing specific to, let's say, the pantry no-spend challenge or for the her makeup or those things that she mentioned. So I want to challenge you to create a list, a small list of maybe two to three no spend challenges that you would enjoy and that you would do. And then in addition to that, come on over to our community and share with us what that no spend challenge list looks like for you. Why I ask you to do that is one, I want you to create the list so that way you have some no spend challenges to do. And two, once you share and other people share, you're going to be able to look at other no spend challenges that may interest you, things that maybe you didn't think of. So that's the beauty of collaborating and engaging and participating in a community. So please, please, I really encourage you to do that. Now, I want to also encourage you to check out Nicole's YouTube channel over at Frugal Chick Life. Now, don't worry if you don't remember the name because I got you covered as I will link that up in the show notes. I think you will find her videos fantastic. I I definitely did. I loved her videos and I am pretty sure you will too. I also wanted to mention that this is the time of the year that we tend to get more stressed about money when we realize that we are stuck in the exact same spot or a similar spot as one year ago. You started with all these amazing intentions of saving more and of managing your money better. But somewhere along the way, something happened, life got in the way, and you fell off the wagon. But it's not too late. And I can definitely help you with my one-on-one coaching. I have opened up some spots and it's really a comfortable, no judgment zone where you can share those fears and vulnerabilities. It's a spot where you really don't have to be perfect. And the beautiful thing about one-on-one coaching 
is that it's customized to your specific needs. I will keep you accountable. I will make sure that you stay on track to reach your goals. And you can stop searching on Google endlessly for that trick or that tip that is going to work for you because you will have my expertise. You will have my experience where I can take a look at your finances and help you figure out exactly what you need without wasting any more of your precious time, because that time is also money, right? This is an investment, but it's nothing to be scared about. So you invest in this and again, nothing to be scared about. And what you learn along the way is just going to last you a lifetime. And just because you are a listener to this podcast and you are still listening to the very end, you made it to the very end of this episode, make sure you mention this episode number, which is 121, and I will be giving you a special gift for when we start working together. So those that fill out the application and mention episode number 121 and we start working together, I have a special gift for you as well. So if you are interested and seeing if we can work together, you can fill out the application over at jenhemphill.com forward slash application. And I'll look at those applications, look at the slots that I have available to be filled. And I will be in touch if I feel I can help you based on your answers. It's simple as that. Next week, we talk to Kendrick Shope, and you are going to absolutely love the energy she brings And the stories of being a spender are fantastic. The stories, not that she was spending all that money, but the stories. And she also shares how she managed to get into $100,000 in debt in her first year in business and so much more. It is a fantastic episode. So that is a wrap for today. I want to thank Nicole for joining us, for being transparent, for sharing her money story. So be sure to check out the show notes on where to find Nicole and more at jenhempill.com forward slash 121. And don't forget, if you absolutely love this episode, it is the biggest compliment for me that you share this with your friends, with a family member or someone that you know will benefit from this episode. Thank you so much for joining. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. I'll talk to you next Thursday. Ciao.